If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Hey, and welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Bonus Break. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. The bonus break, if you're a frequent listener, you already know it, but the bonus break is a short episode you can listen to while taking a coffee break and get the added bonus of making you and your nonprofit more successful. Produced as a companion to our longer Successful Nonprofits podcast, the bonus break covers all of the topics you care most about, professional development, fundraising, governance, board relations, marketing, tech, and more. Today's bonus break focuses on the three questions to consider before submitting that grant proposal. And I'm going to start with a short story. After graduating from college in 1994, I landed a job as a program coordinator with a family service agency. And frankly, my main responsibility as a program coordinator was really to write grant proposals and manage grant reporting for the agency's homeless program. Now, while I had graduated from social work school summa cum laude, the agency took a real risk on hiring me because I had absolutely no grant writing or grant management experience. I've always been incredibly grateful that they took that risk on me, but to say the least, I had a steep, steep learning curve those first few years. Things like finding appropriate grant prospects, actually writing the grant proposals, and then, of course, effectively managing the post-award and implementation process. All of this was new to me, and I had to learn it all. I think they call it building the plane while you're flying it, and that's how I had to learn it. Now, despite the learning curve, I loved every minute of this job and often woke up at like 3 a.m. to write proposals before work. And those early morning writing sessions paid off in the first six months when HUD sent in auspicious facts. Now, I'm going to date myself, and some listeners might chuckle a little bit if they're my age or older, because, you know, this is not the kind of facts that comes off a printer. This is, you know, the furled, rolled up, thin, slick feeling paper. So literally, we're like unrolling this curled and glossy fax paper to read these words from HUD that they'd awarded a grant of $343,000 in response to one proposal. Now, 
That was the largest grant this organization had yet to see. Later on, they got bigger grants, but this was the largest grant to date. And I will say that that grant captured my executive director's attention, and he quickly created a new position for me, and that was agency grant writer. And while in that position, I grew the organization's grant portfolio from about $350,000 a year to over $2.4 million per year. And let me say, I learned a lot about making wise choices as a grant writer. And among these, I learned to always ask three questions. The first question to ask is, will the prospective grant support an existing program or one we already plan to start? And there's a sub-question, but first let me tell you the story behind it. So that $343,000 grant from HUD was a true game-changer for our organization. But it also required that we start a drop-in addiction program for our homeless clients. Not surprisingly, the federal funding didn't cover 100% of the implementation costs, so we then had to go out and raise additional funds to support full program implementation. Now, With those additional resources, the program actually ended up enjoying nearly two decades of success. A few years ago, however, my former employer made the strategic decision to transition the program to another organization. For them, a large homeless program just was not a good fit for their mission, and all of the resources and time that we spent growing the program might have been used to expand programs that better fit the mission. As another example, a prominent and pretty large national financial services firm is known for making grants to support financial literacy programs. Now, homeless organizations and workforce development agencies often apply for a grant and receive as little as five dollars or $10,000 to provide financial literacy to their clients. Now, really what they're receiving is $5,000 and a big, huge headache. Because with this relatively meager grant, Grantees are often in the unenviable position of having to create a curriculum, hire or reallocate staff, provide the trainings, track the outcomes, and then report the results to the funder, all again for like five or $10,000. That's not a five or $10,000 program. That's probably a minimum fifty dollars or $100,000 a year program. Now, for many nonprofits, this would require a diversion of programming, fundraising, and administrative resources from other mission-related activities. Because if you've got to go out and raise another 45000 for this new program, you now are not going out and raising that money for your existing program. In fact, a small organization without a pre-existing financial literacy program could inadvertently destroy other programs just in an attempt to fulfill the grant requirements. And so this, of course, leads to the next question organizations should consider before writing any grant proposal. Do you understand the administrative requirements of the grant, and can you meet them? So I live in Atlanta, and my city has a local government funder that asks grantees to provide the name and zip code of every client. And let me say, the funder requests this information with innocent intentions. They just want to ensure that grant funding directly supports the services that are outlined in the initial proposal, and they also want to make sure that the funding helps people who live in the zip codes where this county is. So most organizations don't have an issue complying with this request, but it should cause grave hesitation for domestic violence programs, healthcare centers, mental health agencies, and aid service organizations, just to name a few. 
So a grant writer would probably want to know about this requirement before applying to the funder, and they could even use the opportunity to educate the funder about their client population. And then, you know, based on the funder's response, they can determine whether or not their organization should respond to the request for proposals. So if the funder's response is, hey, we don't care that you serve people with HIV and that's protected health information, we don't care, we're still going to want all the data, the client name, and the zip code. You can't anonymize it. So, you know, if that's the response and the grant writer knows, we shouldn't waste our time because this is not going to be a good fit for us. Now, that is certainly an extreme example of burdensome administrative requirements, but there are other good example as well. That $343,000 HUD grant my first employer received, just as an example, required an annual data report that took about two weeks to compile. So let me also put that in perspective. That was before we had the sophisticated HMIS databases that nonprofits have now. And so literally, we would have to create our own little access database and then try to add everything up. And sometimes we'd export it to Lotus123. Who remembers that? But kind of like Excel, we would export it into Lotus123 for DOS, and then we'd play with it a little bit more. And so literally, that one report could easily take two weeks of my time. And that's two weeks that I'm not writing other grant proposals and was not doing other things. Now, the funder also required a day-long site visit with the agency's entire management team every six months. And the implementation of several new workplace policies that, let me say, were not entirely popular with the staff. Now, if your organization is receiving $250,000 or more from a single federal grant, it might very well be worthwhile to pay someone who maintains the data and generates the reports. But if you're only getting $25,000, you might want to rethink the administrative burden that will come if you actually get that funding. And of course... Getting a larger grant is not always the solution, and so organizations should ask themselves this third and final question. Will we become overly reliant on this one grant source? Ideally, every program, just like every organization, needs diverse funding that probably includes foundations and government grants, individual giving, special event income, and sometimes earned income. Now, while not an exact science, I kind of feel that no single funding source should represent over 40% of a program's budget. I know of one organization, for example, that receives over 85% of its budget from one single federal funding source. This really means that the organization is only in the business of serving clients until the federal program changes its priorities, or in this day and age, until Congress or the president tries to eliminate the funding source entirely. By being so precariously funding and literally putting all of their eggs or 85% of their eggs in one basket, the organization is putting the well-being of clients, staff, and its very mission in jeopardy. For this reason, when seeking funding, always ask yourself if the organization is becoming overly reliant on one or two grant sources. This is especially true when a grant source wants to give you ever larger amounts of money without having to raise additional dollars. Now, if your organization plans to apply for funding after answering these three questions, you will want to learn as much as possible by researching the funder. And my next bonus break 
will share some tips for researching foundation and corporate funding sources. Be sure to visit our podcast website at SuccessfulNonprofits.com or find me, Dolph Goldenberg, on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. This bonus break and the Successful Nonprofits podcast is produced by the Goldenberg Group as part of our mission to provide board development, strategic planning, and interim leadership to help nonprofits thrive in a competitive environment. I am not an accountant or attorney, and neither I nor the Goldenberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been provided for informational purposes only, is not intended to provide, and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Always consult a qualified, licensed professional about such matters.